0: Great start here. Clint Dempsey's going! It's ahead! Follows trying to it. find him. It's broken for Fabregas. Now it's in the This is it, it's
1: it's it's 2-0. Mezzanazzi! He's looking for three goals. He's got yes. seven. Yes. So he's right side here. Oh, I say! It's amazing. Has it gone over the line of the back post? It has! It's three! And Here they are, looking for number five. With Philippe oh, 5
0: 0
1: Hello and welcome to the Football Fives pod, which for once is all being done in the same room. Lovely to see you two. We are without Chris Knee this week, but I am joined. By Optus Ryan Keeney. How are you, Ryan?
0: Very well, thank you, Dave. How are you? Very good. We've shared tea. This and is it was nice. nice. Yeah. and yeah. Nice. barbecue. We tried this about a year ago and they didn't sponsor us, but we'll try it again. Yes. Very nice.
1: If you're listening, Caracas, we're interested. <laughs> you too, Miller, genuine draft. Uh, also joining me is the Totally Football Show's Daniel Story. Evening, you alright? Yes, not too bad. Not good. too bad. Good to see you, mate. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Do you um,
0: uh, do you think totally football feels like your international duty, and then like football fives is your regular mate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Um, we're gonna do one of our Dave's big cup, uh, big hat of clubs pods today because it saves us all having to get prepared (laughs) (laughs) so uh, I'm gonna go with Ryan Ryan give me a number between 1 and 49 and bear in mind that these are all teams basically big teams ex-premier league teams uh, and there is only one that has been removed which is of course Crystal Palace Uh, Ryan give me a number 27 you're lying, I let Penny do it earlier because I couldn't be <laughs> bothered to bring the list over with me. Uh, and she picked... I was playing along. She picked at random... I just want our listeners to know you're a liar. Uh, okay, That's all. Enough, yeah. Don't okay. trust him. Uh, Penny I'll picked a number at random earlier from the list when I was actually at home and she picked out a fairly good one which a few weeks ago wouldn't have been as good but this week in particular is remarkably topical and bear in mind that we've done Tottenham and Man City and now we're doing another highly topical one this is random don't believe Ryan's lies Uh, we're doing West Ham United little club you may have heard of based in London Um, and the format is as ever same five questions so personal relationship to the club favourite current player favourite old player slash legend and slash is a legend actually uh <laughs> their season so far. A beer. And their next three years. So as pretty much as topical as we get. I will just say from the outset, let's try not to date this too horrendously by going into specifically the scenes on Saturday. Alright?
2: Yeah, what, what Saturday? Date you do already,
1: I? know you've already talked about West Ham this week on a vastly inferior podcast, <laughs> but this is the Premier League Sun. Yeah,
2: I'll right. Again,
1: uh so, personal relationship to the club. Um, basically, I don't really have one. They don't really bother me either way because they've been so far out of Brighton's fame of reference for so much of our history that I don't have that personal reason to hate them, that game that, you know... If anything, this season, we took taken six points off them. If anything, I love them. <laughs> <laughs> and they've, I've also seen them live this season when they came up to the town and... Saw one of the best performances I've seen this year, remarkably, from a team who are an absolute shambles, if we're being completely honest. So I've always sort of admired them from afar, as you do with any club that's in the Premier League and you're languishing in League One and League Two, etc., etc. But I have no real personal reason to love, hate, or anything in between, really. Ryan is this one of your many football clubs <laughs> no this world? is
0: this is very much one of those ones that if I think if it could be summed up in a gif it would be that Partridge thing where he sits at the table and shrugs and uh, yeah, yeah I don't I don't think I'm the same I, I West Ham exists and very much just existed in the periphery of me growing up as a football fan and, and my United played them my United beat them more or less and there was a, there was a few other like, yeah, there was some, some, there was some, some very some good ethic, games. West Ham games yeah there's, yeah there's some good some really really good games but was never one that looked for in the fixture list. Never one I really got overly thrilled with. So the
1: the infamous game at Upton Park on the last day of the season, Blackburn at Liverpool, that hasn't coloured your opinion.
0: No, not, I mean I, I think that
1: I just would put that down to kind interesting. Of, uh, Squarely putting the blame on Andy Cole's shoulders. Well, not you but think not even,
0: that, but it's kind of. I think I was put that down to kind of one of the, like you don't. It's a league campaign. You don't leave it to the last game of the season. All right, mm. people do, but. Just kind of went well. Why wouldn't West Ham be hate West Yeah, that. exactly. Why wouldn't yeah. they be ship bags for that situation? But <laughs> there's I mean, better reasons to there, hate West Ham. There are. Um, I mean, this, this, uh, we we've known about this topic for about thirty minutes. So there's little things that endear me to them, and the the carousel and and the conveyor belt of players that they've produced for some of the top clubs in England kind of leads in a bit of affinity. But in truth, other than winding my real life manager and boss up about come on your irons and their uh, crossed arms. I'm still a bit, yeah. Uh, totally Football Shows, Daniel's
2: story. <laughs> I do actually have an affinity with West Ham as a, a family connection in that when I was much younger, uh, my uncle and auntie uh, had some friends who were West Ham season ticket holders. <laughs> so when they couldn't go, I would go along with my oh, to watch West uh, right. Ham. So I saw, and it was oh. the era of, we talk about Man United, it was the, the Beckham chip. Uh, it was the big games, weirdly, we used to get to go to. So we saw West Ham Chelsea, you know, West Ham Arsenal, West Ham Man U, etc. Um, and at that point, everyone kind of judges Harry Redknapp now as a bit of a joke figure, and I think rightly so. Um, but that whole West Ham Academy and him bringing through players and creating an exciting team, mm. actually as a neutral, I kind of bought into that. You know, they did produce players who I'm sure we'll talk about later on, like Frank Lampard and Joe Cole and Michael Carrick and Maria Ferdinand, who were exciting players and they were an exciting team and they played pretty good football I think um, they've become a shell of a club now but yeah I quite liked West Ham um, I, I think I, I think the only people that could really dislike West Ham are fans of Chelsea and Spurs and maybe Arsenal and, and the rival, rival. yeah the of wall. course yeah. the wall but other than that they're just a they're quite a nice club I think until the last two years and now you can pick anything they've done in the last two years and and feel that, pretty strongly against it.
0: I don't, I, that's not the club. No, that's the what I mean. That's what I mean. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, there, there are some nice people in the club, the fans, the community around it. Yeah, I
1: think there's a lot of good people around <laughs> West Ham and in West Ham. The problem is that you know it's owned by the Dildo Brothers. Yeah, yeah, the temple I mean, of <laughs> Yeah. But it's, it's a funny situation, really, because I think we'll touch on that when we come to another question. But for a while, you could argue they were doing a pretty good job. And yeah. over the last, I would argue, three seasons, basically almost to the day where they got the stadium, the very day, I, I don't think they've made a right decision since, no. really. Mm-hmm. Apart from possibly sacking Billets, who had to go at the time. But Everything it, else has just been... An absolute volcano of vibrators, hasn't it?
2: Yeah, but
1: I mean, from where we stand, you gain an
2: affinity, or otherwise, of the club generally from your ages between eight and eighteen, don't you? Not now. Um, yeah, and that, at that age, for me, West Ham would have been between ninety-three and between two thousand and two or three.
1: I think they were a pretty likable club. But you see, this is—I think—I think this to go a bit broader. I think this is why I struggle to have an affinity with various clubs, because they weren't on Brighton's radar. Mm. We never had that game, that real needle game or anything like that. Yeah. So it's—I mean, if if yours is the partridge shrug, mine is just a bloke fast asleep. <laughs> I just, you know, I admire some of the players they've had through there, but that's about it really. Speaking of players, the only, the only bad thing they did
0: do is buy Marlon which broke you, my heart. You've ruined his lovely segment. Yeah. Well, you don't do that on a totally football show. You don't well, interrupt James Richardson, do you? Yeah, listen, it's this has got a good host.
1: This isn't Jazz FM, son. <laughs> <laughs> it's more like Jiz FM. <laughs> I mean, that's. No, I mean, <laughs> we are talking West Ham, uh, right? <laughs> Favorite current player. Um, I struggled with this far more than favourite old player as we were discussing briefly before because I don't think there is an array of particularly likeable players in there none of us have gone for Cresswell who I think is a good player
0: yeah.
1: uh, and who is consistently improving as well but I'm going for Arnatovich because he is on his day he's unplayable the problem is that day comes once every 15 yeah. games and I happened this season to see that very day away at Huddersfield where Dan will back me up here him and Lanzini up top was like watching Maradona and Messi in their pomp I mean they literally tied a four-man defence up in complete knots for half an hour Mm. it is it is was an unbelievably good performance now Huddersfield contributed to that an awful lot but I sort of I love a player who's got that in his locker but can't be asked to do it consistently, <laughs> basically. I find that I have an enormous amount of affinity with those players and he is a good functional striker when he when he's average, but you know, at his very best he's so much more than that. Uh so yeah, I would have to go on Artovic, but I do think this is a tough shout
0: because I don't think it's a massively likable squad. And Itovich is lovely because he has a very kind of He's had the real career trajectory of a like a prodigious youngster, like Inter, mm. Stoke, West Ham, like where there was the flashes and, and big clubs were mm. like, right, let's let's see if we can harness this. Had Mourinho, I think he was there at City, the yeah, league, yeah, was, yeah. And was. Mourinho and, and had Mourinho as his coach, and then nobody's been able to harness that. So he's ended up going to clubs where they can put up with your nonsense for three or f- four or five games a season, where you will just rip a team. Yeah, I'd, I'd and, actually and, argue this season.
2: Uh, he had good spells at Stoke, but that, that's that three or four game period where Moyes it's dropped an, yeah, dropped Hernandez. Uh Carroll was injured, decided to play him as a central striker, which was a big gamble, mm. uh, and got the best out of him as uh, got him and working, he, got him
1: running, is
2: as is as well as he's and, played. And yet even in that same position he's now tailed off again
1: and Yeah. And it, it, he effectively won them two massive away games against Huddersfield and Stoke. All on his own, and they would be in even, you know, even more dire straits mm. right mm. now if it were, gen- you know, generally not for those two individual performances. So, yeah, I, I've have a lot of time for a bit of a lazy flash in a pan striker. A lot of time for that. <laughs> no not, saying, not saying that's how I went along, <laughs> well but no comment, Your Honour. Uh, totally football shows Daniel story. I again struggled with this um,
2: because they're not. I don't think they are likable. Struggle. I do admire begrudgingly. Mark Nobles. I've just got passion, and that's my thing. <laughs> shtick. Yeah. Because especially because it stands out at the moment where they are that he's the only one that really cares. So I do admire that. I, I don't. I'm not. Hashtag Mark Noble for England. But I mm. do. I do. I do like that in him. I have to say.
1: Love a Yorkie, don't you? <laughs> I
2: have gone for. Um, Michel Antonio uh, not just because he played hey, for Forest, although mainly yeah. actually because he played Forest, but no, we he he was quite fleeting at Forest. He came in from Sheffield Wednesday for two million. He scored a load of goals, played a stupid amount of goals for Forest considering the position we played in. He's,
1: he's a good player, yeah. And you and we sold, don't him, have to justify no, and
2: we sold him for a six player. million, so it was good business. And even then, West Ham got a bargain because he mm-hmm. basically broke into the England squad on the back of some form for West Ham, and yet. Not like on Auschwitz, because I don't think it's effort. But he's had some unlucky he's got unlucky with injuries, but he just seems to be just drifting at the moment. And he's, he's played both. Don't
1: you think part of that is he's he's been played as he's been played as a striker, he's mm. been played left of a striker, right of a striker, he's been played wing as back. a winger, he's yeah, played, wing played back, as a yeah. wing back. And his best run of form came from being played consistently in the same position, and yet no manager has thought Wonder if that's how we get the yeah. best out of it, which pretty much sums West Ham up over the last yeah, couple he, of seasons.
2: He he is also, I think he does suffer because he's quite quiet. He's not a big personality. Mm. He's not pushing. You know, he's not a banging on the manager's door kind of player. I don't think, from what I know of him. Um, so, and I think he's quite easy to just mould and put in a position and stay quiet. And actually, that does him a disservice because you're right. Who if he played? I mean, they didn't really play with wingers, but if they did play with wingers and he played right mid. Or right wing. I think he would be knocking, on, not maybe not knocking on the door of the England side, but certainly knocking knock on the door of that squad because there are, there's not many of those about in England. English players that can do that,
1: and I just feel for him because I think he's at the worst club for him at the moment because mm. I think he will just drift there. Um, if he, I mean, even if he went to Stoke, he would be far better than he is at West yeah. Ham. But I would say, I would argue that for so many players, and I'd ask you to argue that. All day, long with Javier Hernandez, and to be perfect. Yeah. honest with
0: you. Uh, Ryan. Andy Carroll. Um, I really like Andy Carroll. I'm, a, I'm annoyed that he's become banter's in Andy Carroll, I think. And a mm. lot of that is that his body doesn't do the things that he wants to do and, and can't be sustainable. But I like him. I think he's quite a good striker. I saw him when he was when he made that move to Liverpool. He had a really good game for them against Man City. He scored two belting goals. Not necessarily big target man goals. I think it was one where... He smashed it, drilled it like Daisy Cotter from 30 mm-hmm. odd yards. Just in a squad of, of players where you kind of go, oh yeah, that's a shame. The keepers aren't very nice. Centre backs, and, <laughs> yeah. uh, midfielders, all right, you've, Mark Low will even. I don't necessarily have much time for. That mm-hmm. yeah, there's a choice between Andy Carroll, Creswell. I think you mm-hmm. mentioned yeah, he's he's nice, but yeah, so it's, it's a big Andy. I think I think he's he's. It's a shame he's been as injured as he has, and um, you know, if he wasn't in as injured as so much, would he be as big as Harry Kane or something? I think that was earlier in the season. Yeah, probably not. No, but still a very good Premier League striker. I think there's and a there's
2: a risk as well of with players who are injury prone too, partly because we don't want to look into how horribly sad and tragic <laughs> it is that their careers are being, their livelihoods are being, you know, affected by that. So it's easy to make it banter, it's easy to make mm. it oh Andy Cowers in again, just like it was about Darren Anderton and yeah, yeah. other players in the past. But actually, it must be absolutely gutting for a, yeah. especially someone like him who is so outwardly passionate mm. to mm. want to play every game. And effect, he's effectively a non-footballer at the moment. which I mean, is
0: it, horrible. He hasn't helped himself by his whole well, no. having to live with Kev, Kevin Nolan. No, and, no, no. And he was and a city boy. That, early days. There has been some banter Oh yeah, fair. yeah. So uh, yeah, he doesn't get away scot-free. It's not all about the injuries, but there is a there's a genuine quality I think about it, Yeah, I don't that think I can get on board with.
1: I, I don't know if you know this, but I'm quite partial to international football. <laughs> And I would be extremely happy to be going into the World Cup with Harry Kane, Jamie Vardy, a fully fit Daniel Sturridge and a fully fit Andy Carroll. Mm. I'd be very happy with that as a set of four strikers. And to have been effectively robbed of two of them by injury is its, it's yeah. tough to take, you know, and it must... The mental strength... I think you're right about the banter thing, but the mental strength it takes to get mm. consistently injured and keep coming up is... Mm. I mean, if you there's there's a lot of very good pieces that have been written on it, but it's it, it's very very difficult, very very difficult. The, the, the interesting thing about probably all the players
2: we've talked about is that if they didn't drift or if they weren't lazy or they didn't have those injury problems, they probably wouldn't be at West Ham. Mm. The reason they're at West Ham is because they've kind of fallen on hard times and are looking for West Ham. Have become this home for players that are trying to. Get back to where they should be, and that's for so long. You could see Daniel Sturridge, for example, going there, and right, he needs to g himself up, so he's going to go to West Ham and then Mm. get back. and And the problem I think for them is that if you have too many of those players, it just you become defined by those players, and it kind of brings you down a bit. But yeah, I like Andy. I think he's
1: uh, Andy. 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 First name, (laughs) yeah. yeah, yeah, I know his first name. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it's uh, it's Andy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Enough about Mister Carroll. (laughs) Um, (laughs) favorite old player. West Ham do have a decent pedigree here and do have a decent history and I think we will be especially appreciative of that when we start talking about Sheffield United and Stoke (laughs) and various others. Um, I'm going for a player who didn't let me down like Theo Walcott did. I will let that go one day. Um, But Joe Cole I have always loved and he was brilliant for england and i won't anybody who tells you he wasn't brilliant for england are completely misremembering it he scored some unbelievable goals for england he scored some important goals he was brilliant in a side that was often functional and at west ham that that early couple of seasons where he just looked so different from anything we had i mean this was this was paul gascoigne incarnate this was a little barrel-chested player, playing with his elbows up, running past players. I mean, I, I remember a game against Arsenal that West Ham won. Um, Arsenal were playing in the yellow and black kit and Joe Cole gave Vieira, bear in mind this was Arsenal Vieira, bear in mind this was, you know, Vieira in his palm. gave him the complete runaround for the entire game and they actually picked out a moment where Joe Cole megged him and left him on his arse. I mean, that's Patrick Vieira. Mm. That's That's... Some going, and I've never been able to bring myself to dislike Joe Cole for like many people have. You know, he was another one who became a bit banter Joe Cole when he went to Liverpool and mm. with the injuries. I forget I, about
2: Liverpool completely. Forget yeah, about I mean, he's
1: it's another one whose career was devastated by injuries, but the actual talent base he was working from was just an insane level, and he could do. He, I'm older than you. He could do things that I'd not genuinely not seen since Paul Gascoigne from an England player, and I sort of can't. As people who listen to this podcast will know, I can't really give him higher praise than that. And I, you know, I still I loved it when he turned up at Coventry and just net one in for half a season. <laughs> yeah. You know, scored a few goals because there's a club I do have an affinity with, as I've spoke about here before. And I, I just I just think if it wasn't for the injuries, and if he made. I think if he'd gone to Chelsea in any other era other than the Mourinho, steamroller, relentless era that that clipped the crea- creativity out of him slowly but surely, chipped away at it, I think he he would be you know well up there mm. in terms of, of the sort of clutch at the very top of the most gifted England I've it, ever had. I
2: think it's fair to say that there will, maybe even from him, there will be a, a tinge of... 'Cause to me I like Joe Cole, but to me it would always be a didn't quite work out career. Yeah. Even though he played but, had a great you know, he played well yeah, for England and went out
1: at Chelsea and It was the like I say, he did he did brilliantly at Chelsea. He did yeah. absolutely brilliantly. But the problem was it, it drained him of the creativity. But if you look at England, go back and look at his England goals and I swear to you, I think he got about I think he got ten or eleven and hand on heart, honestly, eight of them are absolute beauties. Like absolute beauty. People remember
0: the Sweden one, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, that's the one that jumps to mind. The
1: the Sweden goal is, of course, the you know the the high point, the banner point. I mean, the technique to hit a volley like that from there and have it dipping down like that is just insane. But honestly, his England collection is decent mm. to say the least. Uh, totally football shows. Daniel's story. <laughs> it's good, isn't it? <laughs> I'm going for one of
2: the old school uh, because West Ham kind of had a period between. Let's say early seventies to mid nineties, really, where they were. They won. Well, they won the FA Cup, didn't they? 1980s. So that's unfair. But um, other than that, they were pretty mediocre. But it's an obvious shout. But Bobby Moore, who mm. uh, obviously is known more for his England career than his West Ham career, but actually West Ham, the West Ham side of it is pretty sad. He almost. People don't maybe realize about Bobby Moore that he almost missed the World Cup final. Twice. He almost missed the World Cup final because he had tonsillitis a few days before the game and was only just cleared to play. But more importantly, he almost missed the World Cup because he had a contract dispute with West Ham. And at that point, if players were out of contract, they were ineligible to play for their country. And he, he was on the knife edge of, of not making the England mm. squad because of that contract dispute. And he forgave West Ham for that. But when he then retired, um he got treated incredibly yeah, he did poorly. Get treated. By, a, by by the, the FA by the FA and by, and West, Ham. by West Ham yes yeah. by them, by. he should have been he should have been Trevor Brooking is kind of front and center of West Ham now although fighting and losing tide at the moment but that should have been Bobby Moore for so long and they 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 left him on the scrap heap quite frankly and and that was you know it harmed West Ham and it harmed England um, but there's no doubt that for England he is he's kind of front and center of of the two defining images I think which is one which is obviously left in the George Rimet in '66. And the other one is the is the, the image of him with Pele in 1970. And um, people assume I think that 66 was his peak because he captained his country. And I'm sure you'd see it that way. But he was a better defender in 1970. He had improved mm. even from that point uh, in those four years. And he was running up in the Ballon d'Or in 70. To um, to would that have been? To to Gerd Muller maybe 70.
1: I
0: think.
2: Uh, yeah, I think so. Not
0: going to pretend to know.
2: No, I, I don't know. I think it's probably Gerd Muller. Uh but yes, anyway, he or maybe Beckenbauer, I can't remember. Um he was certainly picked in a World Eleven in ninety eight, I think it was, as a kind of all time eleven alongside Beckenbauer in central defence. And and Beckenbauer always said that Bobby Moore was a miles better defender than he was. He said he would have carried him through that team. Um and I think now, partly because time has passed, partly because of how he was treated and partly because sadly he died in ninety three, um, we have forgotten Bobby Moore, because we don't see him anymore, and because we don't see him on television, um, we forget how good he was. Um, but he was mm. the only player from the British Isles in that World Eleven.
1: He was supreme, uh,
2: and at West Ham he was kind of forgotten, which is a shame.
1: He he was basically the origin of the clean shorts defender. Mm. Basically, he was just he was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Uh, totally Football Show listener
0: Ryan Keane. I mean, we'll pretend I'm a listener. <laughs> um <laughs> Dan tells me to download it every week to help his numbers and then not download it when he's not there. Uh, <laughs> I, mean, I wish that was true. That'd be excellent. Uh, I mean, I was looking through and there there are obvious kind of people that I think I could go with and then a little part of me wants to pick Stevie Lomas um, <laughs> yeah. or Jim Middleton, I think, is a bit of a spell there. I kind of can't get away from Paolo Ducanio because I think he Ooh. was... He was a little bit of a watershed moment for me in that I realised I could like footballers that were terrible people. Do you know when you yeah. like when you're yeah. a thing? When I was younger, I kind of in my head you 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 learn you, to you, separate the art. from yeah, the Yeah, and you learn you learn to realise that they're not role models. And I think this mm. is it's you know there's probably every week in football now you could this is a good time to have this conversation. But there is a moment where you can realise that it doesn't matter that they're really good at what they do; they can still be. Not a nice person off the pitch, or a mm. bit of a uh, a bit of a plonker. Oh, well, yeah, well, I don't want to get the sexist no, tag he's, on he's here, but yeah. but yeah, he is a nasty, mm. he's nasty a massive man. Massive dick. He um, didn't really show that until he left West Ham, but so, what, dick? Was... <laughs> he actually <laughs> but...
2: fair played it at West Ham, didn't he? Because that catch, mm. yeah. poor Gerald. Yeah. yeah, and and
0: there was a little bit of that. Yeah, he's a real and there was he's real a real where... mixture of contradictions, pal. Yeah, and there's like the moment where. uh like, I, I, the West Ham Man United game at Old Trafford in the FA Cup where Barthez tried to call his bluff by stopping and pretending they'd be mm. an offside and De Cano carries on and, and rolls it in and, and then mm. turns it around or runs off the ball whatever but there's the volley that he scored and he was just that little bit of spark and, and mid-90s was what those times where a lot of Premier League teams were it's a bit
2: later than that I think
0: 9 mm. well it might have been yeah sorry but it was probably when Chef nineties. went wasn't he first yeah, yeah. And, but it was um, that volley was good it was 10 the, the ball across to him was better um, J. Cole dreamy 10, <laughs> ten players not plodders but you had 10 kind of workers and you, and you had that spark you had the one yeah, player yeah, that yeah. you didn't mind going missing and and lots of teams had them in like Carboni was at uh, Bradford and the Tiss at Southampton and King Cladde at Man City as well and, and better and, and, and Alcovic yeah basically yeah yeah. just um, uh, just a very good player he did Uh, win games he
1: did win games by himself he really did well there's a very famous game against Bradford where he asked to be subbed you know he asked to come off and he stayed on and and like single handedly dragged them through (laughs) to the win Uh, no was it a win or was it 4-4 draw I can't remember but yeah I, I think that's a very good shout Ryan I think you're right, with footballers sometimes you do have to separate. Or you can do wouldn't this. like anyone. <laughs> well, can I think you can do this with
0: all sports people. Like on Sunday uh, or in recent weeks, because we don't want to date this, but Tiger Woods was made of around the golf. I'm getting really excited about it. But you do realise he was a bit of a terrible person and treated his wife horribly.
1: Yeah.
0: Mm. Yeah. But I'm fair. okay with it. You kind of you not okay with it, but you kind of there's a line where you go on the like, on yeah. the course, on telly they are a sports person. And I'm really excited for what they do off the court, is on off the pitch. You know, you wouldn't want to know them. You'd you wouldn't speak to them if you even knew them. Mm. Awful people. Looking at me, oh, yeah. I'm
1: a nice guy. <laughs> um, right, <laughs> we're going to have to set some sort of time limit here because <laughs> we're going to talk about their season so far, and there's a lot to talk about. Really, <laughs> I mean, they are. It's impossible to talk about West Ham without talking about the stadium, and I think we better cover that first because while they're in, you know, playing at the Latex Lounge, basically under the Dildo Brothers, they are completely hamstrung in terms of getting any sense of soul or belonging. I would argue, and I think the problem with West Ham is that is such a massive juxtaposition from the bowling ground. Such a a, a ridiculous. I mean, it couldn't, it it physically could not be any more different from a ground that was, uh, you know, many players would name as, they would say Upton Park and the Dell because the crowd was so close to it. Mm You take a throw in and you just get a load of crap. And there are, I mean, the sides, the really, really good sides that have gone to the bowling ground and struggled and not got a win. Man United a few times famously there is no doubting that that ground had a huge part to Mm -hmm. play in those performances I'm going to ask you a question now I'm going to ask you both because we'll cover a couple of things in this question but if you're Golden Sullivan uh, and Brady and somebody gives you a way to get out of that football stadium even though you have to go and source a new stadium, either build one or share or what have you within three years say do you snatch their hand off or do you stick with it My, uh, you know I'll tell you where I am with it I I would leave in a heartbeat because I think it's just a soulless bowl of a stadium that whatever they do at that place there's, it's going to take probably I mean how many generations do you think it would take before people class that as West Ham's ground in their own minds I mean it's going to take at least four or five generations isn't it and I would jump
0: at the chance but Ryan would you I think so I think I'd yeah I'd, I, it's a really weird situation uh, so to to answer your question I think you you take that chance now when you, you're out of there by 2021 that it's, it's a really weird one because they've gone from as you say, a stadium where the players were the, the fans are on top of the players, basically, to uh, a now where th- the view is is a lot that people can talk about and how far you are from the pitch. And it's yeah. not it's not been changed enough from being an athletic stadium because they have to retain the m- multifunctionality. They want to you know drive revenue from it in various other ways that football isn't the primary primary concern there. It's not about necessarily making it comfortable for West Ham. It's about trying to do. It's, about, it's a jack of all trades stadium rather than being a, a master of, of football. So it's just a, it's a really really weird one because they've they've lifted West Ham or I know I don't really have any affinity, but they are very much the kind of one of the, the few community clubs and the outpouring around the bowling ground and all that finish and, and sky showing the ridiculous closing ceremony whatever yeah really drove me mad. But you you have lifted a club out of it that was so connected to the... was. I like stadiums that are surrounded by streets and and have had houses built around them to kind of suit. And they're not out in our business park somewhere outside the stadium. But they've just grabbed the club, lifted it out, and there's probably cafés and there's other businesses that have now closed down because there's no West Ham fans going past once a week or once every two weeks that they need. there's there's been a disconnect with the club and and the fans that it won't be fixed in the, the Olympic stadium it's
1: just it's impossible to get any sense of community so it's basically a question of do you accept that and try and create something different from the football club or do you try and go back to it um, TFS is Daniel's story Hashtag I, I'll,
2: I'll take the I'll go devil's advocate and go the other way just because I'm you're advocating the devil uh, typical he's a, muddy knees media. a great guy um I don't think... I I actually... uh, Henry Winter wrote a piece this week saying they should do it. I I agree that they should in an ideal world and I agree with both of you on that. I don't think it's practical. Partly because they're getting the stadium at such a cheap deal Mm. that in an economic sense it's a no-brainer to stay there, whatever happens. And secondly, they've already knocked down the bowling ground if the, if the bowling ground's still there and was still almost working and in a, in a six month period they could do a you know a clean up job and get them back in there, fine, but it isn 't still there, so they would have to find a new piece of land anyway, and I suspect i don 't know the area like the back of my hand, but I suspect knowing the area enough having gone to the, the bowling ground, I think it would be impossible to find an area pretty close to to East yeah. Ham or to West Ham. Um, therefore I think they're now always going to be out of townies I think that's how it's going to have to be for them and if that's what it's going to be you're then arguing well we leave a effectively free stadium that's right. 60000 to build a new stadium of our own cost and let's face it they don't going to get any help anymore Tottenham got a little bit of leeway help with their stadium etc they're not going to get any of that because they've already done their mm. whole taxpayer mm. thing it's not going to happen again so I don't think they can I think they have to lie in the bed they made um, I, and I think that will be a complete calamity it's, for
0: them. But. It's a really weird thing because I, I, I can I can understand the ambition and I can understand how Gold and Sullivan have sold it to the fans that we need to get a bigger stadium so that we can attract better... We, sorry, we can make more money, we can make more revenue, we can attract better players, yeah. we can progress. But they've not done that. And and we we talked about this with the, the our three favourite players, are kind of players that are looking for a, a rejuvenation, a, a bit mm. of a jump. They've not. They've not gone out and tried to buy players on their way up necessarily. They've gone out. To, they've gone to get cheap players, and the big. Yeah, no, like I agree. Joe Hart, he's a player that needed it. They're all the need, same. Yeah. First, a yeah, Bonner, uh, Creswell, arguably Sam Byron, um, who's not really playing, Antonio, are, are players, arguably on the way up. They were playing lower levels, but an uh, Lanzini was playing in. Qatar, I yeah, think, or yeah. Dubai, or he was playing out there and brought in like, and Hernandez was.
2: Yeah, I agree that probably it's, it's almost struck, as, as, as if they at look Leverkusen, at the, the club they're buying from is kind of it's like, oh, well, we're shopping in Harrods because we've bought a player from Leverkusen. Manchester City when yeah. uh, Joe Hart and
0: Leverkusen and what have you, and it's just an, an, a bonner is. Yeah, but you've not but just not a bought, nonsense. You've yeah, not bought players on the yeah. way up, and that, so they're so they've got the ambition that they want to move further, but they're not recruiting in the way that they should be. You should be looking at. Not necessarily, you know, Sigurdsson, Klassen. Not saying Everton have had a particularly good side, but they are a particularly good time of it. But they've gone for those players that are performing well, and there's yeah. reasons to bring them in yeah. to help you improve. Whereas they've almost tried to go the, the we can make money out of the club, and they have boasted ridiculous profits in the last few weeks. That 43 million, I think, they made, which was up on. Up thirty odd million from the the season before at the bowling ground, so they're they're definitely making more money from it. And but they couldn't even convince Payet to stay.
2: Yeah, that mm. I, I actually think the point you make there is a crucial part of it because I think the that ownership, that's exactly what they do. I think they are a like a gold plated football club. They think if you just put a bit of sheen on the front, everything <laughs> will be all right and we will all you know it'll all be a happy picture. But it doesn't work like that in football. You get found out if that's what you mm. do. If if you can't you can't fake that kind of love and connection between mm. fans and a club, and if you try and fake it, it's even worse than not even trying because the supporters just look at it and go, "Well, you, you're trying to mug us off here. You're making us look like fools," and we're not having it anymore. Mm. And they tried, they they did try lower ticket prices, etc., etc. But the, the the stadium move was managed appalling anyway. You've but got, every,
1: I know what you're saying, Dan, about the lower ticket prices, but every time they put any sort of incentive up at West Ham. They can't write a press release without a caveat somewhere. No. It, uh, that is one of the... They're such... You never get the impression that they are ever doing anything that is either A, moving the car forward long-term progressively, or B, is for the fans. Mm. Sometimes you have to do things which are just for the fans. Mm. Be it rewarding season ticket loyalty with you know ridiculously low season cards... Whether it's just quite simply the way you choose to conduct yourself with certain things, community projects, etc., you never get the impression there is any of that going on at West Ham. There's, a really,
2: there's a really good example of that on this weekend, where they, they it was obviously the Bobby Robson 25 years after his death. Bobby Moore. So obviously that's on the, that's <laughs> in, imprinted in my brain. Bobby Moore 25th anniversary of his passing, and they did a you know big thing before the game. Blah blah blah. And as a West Ham fan said, within two minutes up on the big screens, they were selling replica Bobby Moore shirts like £40, get your Mm -hmm. replica. Everything is done, it feels like, in a sort of crude business sense with no love behind it.
1: Yeah, it's almost like your owners have made fortunes out of business models (laughs) based solely around the exploitation (laughs) of a group, a single group of women, i.e., I don't know, you know, like I say, women. And they're trying to enforce that and inflict that on a football crowd. Mm. Talking about their season so far, specifically. Yeah. Moyes. Yeah. I I have a big problem with David Moyes because <laughs> he's not but, uh, shit show at Man United, shit show in Spain, shit show at Sunderland and I would say shit show so far at West Ham there have been a few uh, moments where you could argue that potentially there was a slight amount of hope but I cannot for the life of me understand why Moyes didn't take, to to be perfectly honest with you, take his medicine take a championship job and just be a football manager again because he's he's not a firefighter he was never mm-hmm. when he's been successful at Everton he was never <laughs> firefighting he was always long term planning and again it just seems to be another nonsense position uh, appointment and decision from the owners because if they would had gone and got somebody who was progressive yeah, the or exciting or they could have those, lost yeah. every game to the end of the season and they would have said Do you know what we'll rebuild over yeah. the summer we gave it we'll it have like- a go in the championship if they got relegated and you yeah. would have all that goodwill." But Moyes is almost like a poster child for the level of backwards thinking that's going on. Yeah, they club. are
2: appointing—they're buying players from 2012. They're appointing managers from 2012. That's exactly what they're doing. They're, they're creating a, mm. a, a team because, and, and that might be because the owners of that club are—that's what they remember. That's what they know. That's when they were—they well, were considering. They know it,
1: trust me, they're well, no, a little they were, bit
2: more than that. Well, they were consi- they were at their peak when Birmingham won the League Cup in 2011. That was their point. That was their time for mm. success, and it's almost as if they've got stuck in that in that moment where they think, right, well, that's what we know. So David Moyes was good then, so let's get him in. And uh, it's just, uh, it's just for me, it was an absolutely scandalous appointment. He is a manager now who is defined by failure. To, to go into mm. a club like West Ham that are already becoming defined by failure themselves, and to think that smashing those two things together and th- who's going to work, they might well stay up, but that's. The least of their concerns, yeah. and they're already talking about giving
0: him sixty minutes. No, the, but, the, the, but the ridiculous thing is that they're talking about like letting Moyes have the keys to the, the transfer chest. He doesn't have a contract beyond June, no. Um, so it's all short term, isn't, anyway, isn't it? Yeah, Moyes has been broken. He was broken by Man United. It was it just wasn't the right fit, and he's not had enough time away from high pressure and high level. And he needs that championship. He job. needs to go needs away go and away like, from West Ham, rebuild himself. Yeah, because
1: the thing is, Steve McLaren. Went away into the championship. He has struggled at clubs, but he has got himself back to the point where he's a pretty respected coach again. Yeah. Now he's never going to get a big job, a no. massive job. No. But I think he knows that. The difference is, you know, championship club comes up, Steve McLaren will be yeah, fairly Sheffield, high up Wednesday the list. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And the the thing about Moyes is, I think there's a stunning lack of self awareness on his behalf. And a stunning lack of any sort of awareness <laughs> on West Ham's behalf. Mm. And I mean, sixty million in the summer. Who's going to sign Darren Gibson?
0: <laughs> 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 you know, it, Brian Aviedo's, uh <laughs> playing well at Sunderland. <laughs> so
1: you look at their season so far, and you think that they're disappointing. They're in relegation trouble. They're not quite down in the mire, but they are well in the mix. They yeah, are two there. points above. Yeah, yeah, the they're we well talk. in the mix. And when you put it all together, it's actually about par, isn't it?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I well I think it is because I think that the owners have, have affected, not deliberately, but have put together all the ingredients for a relegation season. Mm. <laughs> Off the field, the fans are hating life. They've got a stadium that no one wants to be in. They've got players who don't want to be there. Yeah. And the recruitment decision on, in terms of players, by the way, we haven't even touched on, is, is abysmal. It's just scattered so, them.
0: Yeah, but so there's there's a club that won't deal with Karen Brady because of a sudden column is that right yes, yes, that's uh, true. yes. They, they had the website the insider column which talked about transfers and like Musa Dembele from yeah, Celtic yeah. and stuff the, as you say every PR statement got Jack Sullivan on social media alright I I do like that David Gold is on Twitter I, 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 some, I, I, sometimes yeah. you can't overstep the mark and when he went to like w- with the village stuff when he turned around and said oh we offered him Renato Sanchez and he said yeah. no like that some of that you kind of, you have to keep that private. That, that says, I think that says, there's too much peeking behind the curtain. It takes yeah, It, it pe- too much behind the curtain and I don't like that. But there are just, there's a cacophony of things that it all comes back to the owners and, and mm. everything up there. And then, but no, below that, you've just got the cast of Mitfits. You've got Moyes, who is a broken man. You've got Hart, um, Hart's Agbonna, a perfect Like, example, like Mazouk, yeah. uh, Lanzini and Otovich are, are really good examples of, of just, just it doesn't fit. It doesn't quite... There's no, no plan there. There's no mm. concurrent, like, what Southampton, admittedly, in the last couple of seasons, not a great example. But when they sign players, you can kind of see how they fit in a system on a play. When they will go and recruit a manager, you can argue that if it's Marco Silva they bring in, you can perhaps see where they're going with... There's yeah. a, a there's a link between so managers. For all Southampton's wrongs, so they would course.
2: never appoint David Moyes, would they? No, no.
1: Or a no.
0: Type.
1: no. I mean, that's the thing. I don't know what... Southampton are when we talk about them I'll get on to this I I genuinely don't know what they are or where they place themselves but I know what they aren't whereas with West Ham I know exactly what they are and yeah. I know exactly what they aren't and they're on the wrong side of both arguments yeah I am I've a thing in football I'm really loathe to blame owners and I think it I think it comes from being a Brighton fan who we've had an owner who was a genuine crook and genuinely tried to, to, I won't go into all the history, but wanted to run the club out of business. Mm. And owners become a really easy target for basically just impatient fans. Mm. But with West Ham, this is genuinely mismanagement over a period of time now. And I don't see how it changes because I can't even see them wanting to get out at a value where somebody sensible would want mm. to take them up. This is,
2: I mean, this is moving on to question five, isn't it? In terms of the yeah, well, let's years. let's
1: let's do that. Let's talk about their next three years now. See, I, there's two ways out. I,
2: I mean, you've, we talked about the stadium. I think they'll probably stay because I think it's too good a financial deal. Uh, I almost think they are at the stage now with their their season as it is that the best thing for them to do would be to go down mm. because it would it would force the club. The broadcasting revenues job, Yes, you've got parachute payments, but it forces, it trains the mind to go, actually, we've completely cocked this. Mm-hmm. So we need, we haven't got, we might as well do a complete hard reset. There's no point just, you know, plastering over holes. We might as well knock the whole wall down and start mm-hmm. again. Uh, it would cause Moyes to leave. It would cause a large number of players on inflated wages to leave. They've still got good revenues and a good support there. Mm-hmm. That we all know, football fans, it's not fickle to say, if things start to change and it starts to get better, they'll come coming back. That's just an nature, isn't if, it? If, yeah. if they won nine yeah.
0: of their first 12 in their championship. Yeah. They, and that's, yeah, and that's
2: not yeah. against the fans yeah. going, oh, you're fickle, or you're fickle. That's just going, well, if that happens, something's things change. It's really shown, met the ultimate,
1: the ultimate example of this is Newcastle United, yeah. who have been terribly run by a bloke who I would argue, I don't think he's as bad as a lot of people make out, but I think it's absolutely fair comment to say that he hasn't always got the club's interests. At the forefront of what he's doing, but they've been down to the championship, and even Mike Ashley had to have a look at himself and the fans had a season that they actually enjoyed they enjoyed winning yeah. again and West Ham is just so it's it's just so broken you know, and you've got this weird you've got this first team squad that is this weird island of misfit toys you've got a manager who you know i wouldn't I wouldn't trust him with my washing up you've got owners who this was i don't think I don't, road goal, this was yeah. you've got owners whose business model doesn't work you've got a ground which is fundamentally flawed to play football in mm. I just don't know there's no easy answers to this and to talk about West Ham's next three years almost seems churlish because I think. This is trying to turn the Titanic. I think you I think you've got to be looking at a decade's worth of overhaul because
2: they could just sell I think I think sell, I personally think if they sold and they've sold Birmingham before and mm-hmm. I think they would be open to an offer now. And because they're a London club and because the stadium's big and the revenues are good, they actually probably are quite attractive to, yeah. to foreign mm-hmm. investors. And Golden Sullivan and Brady will not you know without but at putting words in their mouth, they will not be too bothered who buys as long as they get a good price. But, I mean,
1: take, even even take the owners out of it, so they get sold tomorrow, right? We pull out of the Berliner Fussball Fives and go and buy <laughs> West Ham, right? You do not sort that squad out in one transfer window. No, you don't. I, I, I don't I think even you can, think you sort it out in. But two. I, I
2: I believe, and it's probably the case in all clubs, but it's something about West Ham that makes me believe it. That if you switched it, even if they saw that not that everything was fixed, but that at least. They were they were movement. trying to yeah. make changes. I think everyone, because of how bad it's been this season, supporters would get on board with that, and I think it would help. I think it would hugely help. I think, and they, I, think they an ex- I still think they're an, an, an inviting club for players. Yeah, and I think they're an inviting club for over. Well, they still so
1: they still I, pay
0: silly wages, yeah. so players are always going to go maybe doesn't. for the wrong reasons. I don't think mm. they were ever not an, an appealing club for players. No, just think West Ham went after the wrong players. Yeah, that's the the, the I'm not. I've not tried to the well no.
1: I mean Joe like I don't I don't want to kick Joe Hart, but Joe Hart has declined as a keeper over the last four years terribly. And he now has all the presence in goal of, of you know a a right reasonably rigid eye. plastic bag blowing in the breeze. <laughs> and from a man who prides himself on being able to kick a post to death before kickoff, this is pretty poor. He should be in the championship again, doing a bit of rebuilding, or accepting this, this is where I am. I am. Yeah. This is my level. But he is just the poster boy for where that squad is. Mm. And I just think when we did, when we talked about Spurs, we had like sort of not relentless optimism when we talked about the next three years, but a slight oh, fear, so much fun, but a slight fear yeah. that it'll either be enjoyable or it'll yeah because it, you know. it could blow up if. Pochettino goes. They sell Ericsson, They sell a couple of others. With Man City, it's just relentless optimism again. Really, with the slight caveat that if Pep goes, how how on earth are they? I mean, even after this short time, how on earth do they even try to mm. to replace yeah. him? But with West Ham, they need they need blowing up and starting again.
0: <laughs> no, I just think well, I think they just need to. I think a hard reset works. They, they, they moved into the Olympic Stadium and the, and Golden Sullivan and, and Cam Brady had the idea that if things go well and if they if they were where Burnley are now, mm. things would be rosier. That, that you would but people again, would, would ignore over it, it would cracks. do it would do, but they, they people would ignore the terrible view because they're, they're comfortable in the Premier League and they're not going anywhere. And had a little flirtation with the top six. And I just think that's what they banked on, but didn't get it because. Hmm. All of their stupid gambles on yeah, Andradevic and I they, hope it teaches a
2: lesson to clubs like Tottenham and, and it's topical because Tottenham have released ticket prices today for the new stadium, which are going to be far higher than the new one. What it does is that you it, you cannot gamble on the team overperforming, yeah. Because as soon as they stop overperforming, yeah. suddenly you lose mm. all your goodwill very quickly, which is what's happened at West Ham, and, go, and then you realise the shell you've been left with, yeah. yeah. I, I, and
1: the current structure they've got there behind the scenes. Say, say they got they they pulled Leicester and they got into the Champions League one season. They would they buy Iniesta for two hundred million and spend <laughs> yeah. the rest on cola bottles. <laughs> yeah. That's all you trust them to do, isn't it? Yeah. That's that's the big issue. And I just
2: and they've had they have had a series of owners for whom, even if it started all right, it has gone sour. And the player recruitment and managerial recruitment has been pretty. When you look at the list of their managers. Just... I mean, yes, they've had big names, and Sam Allardyce was a big name, but they've not had a manager. You thought maybe for half a season of Village but a season where you th- a manager where you thought, "Yeah, this is nice, this will work." I mean, the Pardew, and mm. you know, it's just never. Right that back was fifteen spell, years, fifteen years. There was though. a
1: spell under Village where they were playing some really nice stuff. They were getting results. They finished high up the league, and things were looking good. But as you've said, Dan, it was massive overperformance. Yeah. and you can't take that as your baseline. Yeah, absolutely. Because I'm, then you're left with a shell when you stop over before.
0: And then, yeah, I, I I I don't want to say I like West Ham because I I, as I say I'm a bit. Bigger. I I like I know some of their fans and and they're good people and I, I kind of I'd like clubs of fan fan people I know I like their clubs to do well. I'd like mm. like them to be relatively happy. West Ham fans just aren't happy. They're, and and they're, but they there is so many of them that through blind loyalty, which is the wondrous beauty of football, yeah, are there. At the Olympic Stadium, many weeks, and there, some of them now leave. Like uh, people have told me, they leave like fifteen minutes before because they can get out of the sh- um, what's the car? What's the shopping? Westfield. Called? Get out of Westfield mm. before the traffic starts. But because if you leave on full time, you spend an hour sitting in the car park waiting for the traffic. But
2: no one's thought of any of that. No, no.
0: And they can't have home games on Boxing Day anymore yeah. because of the sales. It's yeah. just there, there was. It's no... a how-to guide yeah. this yeah. season yeah. and previous seasons.
2: is basically a how-to guide. In how to cock up, a f- a f- yeah. and how to lose, how basically how to alienate your supporters, yeah. isn't yeah. it?
0: They've they've lifted. A so good really, news, yeah. They've really, <laughs> well, they've lifted a really nice close knit community out of where everybody's happy. Tried to drop them in somewhere and become this shiny touristy club, and it's not worked in a big terrible way. With that <laughs> overwhelming tide of
1: positivity. I think we shall leave it there. Say goodbye, Optus Ryan Keeney. Bye-bye. Say goodbye, Premier League World's Daniel Story. Goodbye. And I'll say goodbye. Bye.